leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the midcourt strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me I've got a very special guest. His second time on the program, he's a fellow sports business classroom alum. His name is Jerry Cristodolados. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on. How's it going, Garrett? It's good to be back. Uh, a friend of the pod now, back on my second time. I expect some sort of uh, t-shirt compensation or something. Oh, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have to work on that and get back to you. Maybe maybe when you come on a third time, I'll have that ready for you. But, yeah, I, haven't the, I haven't crossed the importance threshold yet. <laughs> no, really, really happy to have you on again. And uh, on this episode, uh, we decided we were going to break down uh, a lot of the of the key trade deadline moves of course uh, the trade deadline happened uh, this past Thursday and uh, a lot of action one of the more busier trade deadli- deadlines that I can remember uh, and uh, so so without further ado let's just get right into it the the first deal that happened actually a few days prior to the deadline was the big move between uh, the Dallas Mavericks and the New York Knicks where the Mavericks, uh, received Kristaps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke. And uh, they sent the Knicks, guard Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, and uh, a bevy of picks, including an unprotected 20, 2021 or 2022 first, and a top 10 protected first-round pick that'll convey in either 2023 or 2024. Jerry, what were your thoughts on that blockbuster move? Yeah, I mean, um, it kind of came out of nowhere for me. I, uh, you know, was just going about my my normal day, and all of a sudden, I see some texts from friends about uh, about Porzingis maybe being traded, and then within like half an hour, it was done. Uh, so I was I was pretty shocked by it. Um, you know, reflecting on it a little more, it seems 
to make a little more sense for the Knicks than I thought initially. At, at first, I was like, man, they're really, you know, they're really riding a lot on this free agency, and maybe they know something that we don't in terms of, you know, opening up that two max slots to get either Durant or Kyrie or both. Um, and maybe in the end, that's, that's kind of how we're going to evaluate this trade, whether or not they, they can pick someone up with those, uh, with those salary slots. Yeah, it's recouping two recouping two first rounders. uh, You know, for a guy that we don't know if he's totally healthy, um, who they had you know they had alienated, but didn't want to be there in any case. Um, You know, I thought that maybe it's not as bad of a return as uh, as it initially struck me. Yeah, I I honestly thought this was a pretty good deal for New York. Um, you know, and a lot of the for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned, the 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 risk that uh, that Porzingis is at this stage coming off of that injury. He's seven three. You know, uh, you know, a big guy coming back from that type of an injury is is scary. You know, Boogie Cousins has uh, has impressed so far in terms of his ability to come back at that size uh, off of an Achilles, but Porzingis even has a couple inches on him. Uh, he is still very young, so I think Dallas is uh, is expecting him to make a full recovery and and be that really really uh, you know franchise changing big man. But you know not only the fact that he might not be the same player has got to be on the minds of the New York Knicks, but it also you know he was he was really good when healthy, but he wasn't a top ten player. He wasn't a guy that okay if we give this guy a max contract that for sure is going to be a good deal. You know, so I think that the the Knicks are also considering that as well when they when they ended up moving him. Yeah, it seemed. I mean, before he got hurt last year, which I believe was I mean this time of year either end of January early February, um, it seemed like he might be trending in that direction of a guy that could, you know, maybe get on the fringes of that top 10 conversation. But again, now devastating injury. And beyond that, a guy with a really checkered injury history, just in general. Um, but you know, you got to understand the, uh, the move from the Mavericks here. I mean, they're a confident franchise in many respects. They feel like they can bring in a guy like Porzingis and maybe get the most, you know, get the most out of him, pairing him up with Luca. So I, you know, I, I kind of like that move for them, and it's a big risk, a huge risk, really. Um, but the subsequent Harrison Barnes deal, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into, makes me like it a little more, as they open up some space this summer to maybe add on another piece, uh, assuming Porzingis doesn't sign any uh, any offer sheets early on to uh, tie up their space. Yeah, so let's just get into that other move, and we can we can circle back as well to uh, to the Porzingis deal. That uh, that second move that you mentioned that Dallas made, they uh, they received Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph from the Sacramento Kings, and sent out Harrison Barnes. So Barnes uh, likely to be uh, you know a, a key feature in that Kings team for the foreseeable future. But uh, but yeah, that opened up a lot of cap space for Dallas this summer. And, you know, part of that Porzingis trade, they took on the contracts of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, which was another reason why I thought that was a good deal for New York. Not only did the Knicks receive two firsts from Dallas, but they also offloaded salary, which was at least worth a first-round pick, maybe even more, because we've seen, uh, you know, teams try to offload 
uh, you know, Hardaway's making $18 million the next two years. To, to offload that kind of salary does require a first-round pick. Uh, so, you know, they're essentially receiving three-plus first-round picks in value for that. But, as you said, Dallas, you know, when they, when they first did the trade prior to the Harrison Barnes move, uh, taking on those contracts of Hardaway and Courtney Lee and still having Harrison Barnes on their books, they weren't really going to have a lot of cap space to maybe get that third guy around Porzingis and Doncic. And now that, uh, now that they've got Barnes off the cap sheet for next season, they've got some, they've got some room to, uh, to build and, and, and find that third piece. Yeah, I think they're going to be right at about a max slot. I mean, they're going to be in the ballpark of thirty million, maybe a little more. Um, do you do you think? Who do you think that they're going to go after? I, I don't know. Well, well, and <laughs> I it's really it, about it yeah, and it's it's interesting too because this trade, you know, getting Porzingis was kind of a bet that they weren't going to succeed in free agency, you know, and just to try and get that established star in through a trade. Uh, so, so I don't know if their thoughts have changed now that. You know, just Luca in there was not enough of uh, you know uh, an appeal to free agents to come. But now, if they have Luca and Porzingis, that's a little bit more appealing for those guys. It, it'll certainly be interesting to see. But as you mentioned, yeah, maybe maybe not quite max cap space, but certainly they'll have a lot of money to work with. And uh, even if they can't get necessarily one of those top tier guys, if they could add. Uh, you know, one of those second-tier kind of B-plus level free agents to to their core, they, they've got something to work with. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's funny looking at where they were a year ago or a year and a half ago and seeing them now because it seemed like they were just perpetually stuck in the mud, right? And then they pull off the Doncic trade at the ladder, or, uh, during the draft, excuse me, and now they have Porzingis on as well. So from having really no no young pieces other than Dennis Smith, who kind of disappointed, uh, I think, for a lot of people, to now having Porzingis, uh, Doncic, and some space to work with, you know, they're I, I don't I didn't see them being here, and uh, they're going to be one of the more interesting teams I think to follow moving forward. Right, and you know the the free agency is going to be huge in terms of if they. If they fail to pick up a free agent, you know, then the the goal for them is obviously to to re-sign Porzingis. You know, his money is then going to be on the books. And with all of these first-round picks that they have traded in that Doncic deal and in this Porzingis deal, they're not going to have a lot of ammunition to, to get anybody else. So free agency is going to be extremely important for not only the Mavericks, but for, for quite a few teams around the league. But I wanted to quickly go back to uh, to New York side of things with this Porzingis deal, and you know, getting Dennis Smith. You know, you said he he's disappointed a little bit, and certainly that's true. You know, Doncic was clearly the better player, so Dallas, uh, you know, was was willing to move on from Dennis Smith. But but uh, you know, with with New York, his new team, he's already had a, a 31 point game. He's certainly got a ton of athleticism, and now New York, uh, you know. Not only getting the first round picks and offloading salary, but they get a a shot with a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean maybe the big the big coup of this deal for for New York is you know getting off of those Lee and, and Hardaway salaries and taking picks back instead of having to you know to shed them. But 
you know, taking a shot on a young guy like Smith, especially when you're a team that's, you know, just going to be in the lottery morass for the whole year, why not? Why not? I mean, we know that he's one of the most explosive athletes in the entire league, and now sort of given a little more free reign than he had in Dallas, why not see what he can do? Well, yeah, and this... Yeah, and this trade is so fascinating too because not only like cuz I feel like for both teams the ceiling of the deal is really high and the floor is really low. You know, for Dallas, if Porzingis resigns and they get a really good free agent this summer, all of a sudden they've got their their core three guys to build around and they're going to be a contender for years to come. Uh but, you know, if Porzingis leaves and they don't get anybody in free agency, now they're left with Doncic and no draft picks for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you look at New York side of things, you know, they are currently uh, on, like, I believe a 15-game losing streak. They're going to finish with uh, one of the worst records in the league and, and have a shot at the number one overall pick. You know, they could theoretically end up uh, drafting Zion Williamson, signing two max free agents in the summer, and then they'd have the likes of Kevin Knox and Dennis Smith Jr., and Frank Nilakina to to make a deal for another player. So so it it is really interesting. But then you know the the downside for New York is if they don't get anybody in free agency, then they kind of gave up Porzingis for uh, for very little for cap space, and then we can go back to making fun of the Knicks as being the sort of most laughable inept franchise in the league. I mean that <laughs> that that pathway isn't uh, isn't too difficult to envision. You know, so you're, you're totally right in that, uh, you know, very high ceiling potential here. I mean, they could even package potentially a top, whatever, top five lottery pick and some of the young guys for in an Anthony Davis deal, in a deal for the next big star that becomes available via trade. So, you know, it could, we could be sort of lauding them as geniuses uh, come the first week of July, or they could be a laughing stock. Yeah, and that's that's why, you know, grading these trades when they first come out is so difficult because there's there's so many things that have yet to happen that that can change the outcomes of these deals. But uh but moving on to a, to another deal that for a a Western Conference contender, uh you know, not a not a star player, but the Portland Trail Blazers acquired the likes of Rodney Hood from the Cleveland Cavaliers and they sent the Cavs guards Wade Baldwin the 3rd and Nick Stauskas as well as 2021 and 2023 second round picks. How do you feel that uh, that Hood is going to fit in with this Portland team? Well, you know, uh, when when Hood got acquired by the Cavs last year, um, you know, right at uh, either right before or right at the deadline, I, I don't remember specifically, but I was kind of excited for that. You know, that he would get a chance to be on a team that you know eventually made the finals, but that was at the very least, a, a major contender for the Eastern Conference crown. And, uh, you know, the more I saw of him, the, the more and more disappointed I got. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't been a... His, his star has really, really fallen in the past few years where, uh, you know, in the wake of maybe his first or second season with the Jazz, people were thinking, man, you know, he was the guy that everyone was talking about as like, oh, we wanted to draft him, but you know, management didn't want to take him. But he was that important guy that everyone was thinking about. And now he just seems like a non-piece, really. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm i not particularly excited about the, the Blazers acquiring him, I guess. 
Yeah, he's he's the type of player that uh, on paper is really enticing. You know, he's six eight. Uh, he uh, he can hit the three. He can create a little bit for himself. But uh, the more you the more you watch him, the as you said, the more you just kind of uh, are a little bit disappointed. You know, he's he's very streaky as a shooter. He's he's the type that will go six of seven one game and zero of nine the next. And you know, I think teams like Portland just want uh, you know role players that are just going to consistently hit three out of eight, you know, something in that range. But he he has never been that. He's also got durability issues, and defensively, you know, he does even though he is six eight, he doesn't have really long arms, and he's not strong, so he's never really been that wing defender that teams need either. So yeah, he's he's a guy that uh, you know. Uh, you you watch him on a game where he's real hot, and you think, oh yeah, this guy could definitely help. But but then you watch him on the Cavs last year, and he couldn't see the floor during the playoffs. No, and uh, you know he it, it, this also doesn't help them financially in any way. It doesn't help them you know reduce their reduce any payments uh, in terms of a luxury tax or anything like that. Um, you know, so it's just really, I guess, kind of a, a flyer and hoping that maybe he'll have some moments, uh, you know, some moments in the playoffs. Yeah, they um, and again, giving up two second-round picks for a guy that uh, that is on the qualifying offer, uh, you know, is um, is a, is a bit much. But but I, I do think he is a slight upgrade, even though all of the the, the problems that we've we've discussed. I think, you know, with uh, the, the Blazers going with Evan Turner kind of doing the lead ball handling duties on those second units, I think they need as much shooting around him as they can possibly get. And uh, now with the likes of uh, of Seth Curry, Jake Lehman, Rodney Hood out there on the floor on those second units with Turner, he at least has a little bit more room to operate than he has in the past. Yeah, yeah, that's true at least. Now, uh, moving on to, uh, to a couple of moves that... Uh, the Lakers made, you know, in the offseason, one of my big criticisms of the Lakers and, and building around LeBron was the fact that they, they didn't acquire any shooting, and they decided during the trade deadline to, to fix some of those errors. And uh, they did so by trading for uh, a piston guard, Reggie Bullock, and they gave up second-round picks V. McCaluk and uh, a second-round pick uh, to get Bullock. You know, he's a, he's a solid three-point shooter, and a decent defender. And then they also, in a deal with the Clippers, acquired Mike Muscala, uh, a, uh, a stretch four, stretch five guy, and uh, gave up Michael Beasley and a promising young center, Ivica Zubac, in that deal. So what do you think about the, the Lakers kind of uh, working around the fringes? Yeah, uh, I, liked the, I liked the Bullock acquisition much more than the Muscala acquisition. Yeah. You know, Makai Luke, he showed uh, maybe some inklings of, of competence here and there, um, and over the summer as well when he played in summer league. But, uh, you know, Bullock has been a guy that's, you know, he, he, he filled a role for Detroit. Uh, and, you know, he's the kind of player, I think, that is useful on these LeBron teams where he's not a high-usage guy. He's just going to be there to take some shots and play some defense. Um, his, you know, his his first uh, appearance, I think, was yesterday against the Sixers, and not a great game for him. But uh, I think he's still a useful a useful piece moving forward. Um, the Muscala deal, I didn't really, 
I didn't really understand. Um, you know, I get that they opened up a roster spot and whatnot, but couldn't they just have waived uh, Beasley and not had to give up Zubac in that deal? I mean, Zubac seems like he might be, uh, you know, he's a playable he's a playable guy, a guy that deserves some minutes in the league. Yeah, the you made a perfect point. Just uh, you know, if if the goal was to get a roster spot, yeah, you know, just cut Michael Beasley, who there were rumors that he was having issues with Luke Walton. So that seems to be a, a perfect way to just open up that spot, uh, you know, clean up the locker room a little bit. And you know, for me, yeah, Muscala maybe fits around LeBron better than Zubac does, but Zubac is the better player and especially the better prospect. You know, the guy is 21 years old. He's got really nice touch. I think he's shooting uh, in the high 80s from the free throw line. He's got he can finish uh, on the block with either hand. Uh, you know he's a big, strong guy. You know I, I really like him and and yeah, Muscala. Despite the fact that he can stretch the floor and hit the three, which again is better around LeBron, just isn't as good of a player or prospect. And I don't really think he f- he fixes any of the Lakers' problems really. <laughs> I mean. Like he was playing out there yesterday in that Sixers game, and I don't know. I he didn't really seem to be useful to me in any way for them. He's not providing, you know, he's not providing any sort of stout front court defense. He's not going to be able to play on, on, you know, the the more bruising bigs, and then he's not really fleet of foot to to deal with the quicker guys. So I didn't really, I don't really see him being a contributor, you know, as they try to make their push for their playoff lives, really. <laughs> so, I, I didn't get it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a disappointing, you know, after obviously getting LeBron is a, is a great win for, uh, for Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka, but after that, it's been, it's been a pretty disappointing year from those two in terms of their decision-making. But uh, moving on now to, uh, to some of the, the, the 76ers moves, they made probably the, the biggest move outside of that Porzingis deal, in acquiring the likes of Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, and Mike Scott from the Clippers. And uh, L.A., for their troubles, gets Landry Shamit, a promising young rookie, Wilson Chandler, and, uh, you know, Mike Muscala, which, again, they later traded to that Laker, to the Lakers and what we just discussed. But then they also received the 2020 Philadelphia first-round pick, an unprotected 2021 Miami Heat first, and also 2021 and 2023 second-round picks. Jerry, what were your thoughts on that blockbuster move? Yeah, when this when the reporting first came out on this, I was um, I think much lower on it for the Sixers than uh, I I am now that I've at least seen them play two games. I mean, Harris has looked good so far for them. Uh, of course, like they only played the the Nuggets and the Lakers, and not the most sort of stout defensive teams. Right. And they and they beat them. They really, they crush the Lakers. Um, but, you know, at first for the Sixers, I was like, well, this is kind of a lot to give up for, you know, a good but not necessarily great player that's going to be your fourth option and you're kind of going to have probably diminishing returns given the fact that, you know, uh, he's not just... I, I didn't think of him at least as sort of a plug-and-play shooter guy. You know, he's somebody that I would want to have a little more usage to get the most out of. Um, and they gave up four four picks, including that 2021 Miami pick, which, you know, given the fact that Miami's stuck in the mud, we don't really know 
that could be a, a top five pick. Right. So, I, I mean, I like it a little more now. Um, it seems like he's going to be able to fit a little more, and the offense isn't going to be, uh, you know, hindered in any way necessarily. They've they've kind of been splitting, at least from what I've seen. Simmons and Harris uh, have been playing together mostly, and then Embiid and Butler. Um, but you know, they they got their they got their their fourth guy. They got their talent. Um, they sort of supplemented by, you know, really filling in that bench, which had been uh, a huge problem for them. They, they filled it in, I think, pretty nicely. But again, the risk is that if this doesn't really work out in the playoffs. We, you know, <laughs> they might have committed. They've, they've sort of given up all the asset chests, and they might have committed long term to, uh, you know, a player that maybe doesn't push them into championship contention. Yeah, it's uh, it's really fascinating. You know, they um, and again, this is, you know, you got to remind people that this is a rental. You know, he is an unrestricted free agent, and everyone just. You know, Elton Brand came out and said we're going to re-sign Butler and Harris. Well, it's not completely up to them, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he might not want to re-sign. Right, <laughs> and and especially if things go poorly this this playoffs, you know, the uh, I guess the the argument for the deal for Philadelphia is not only does it make them better this year, which it certainly does. You know, that starting lineup now. It's really hard if if you're in an opposition defense to find anybody like if you have a weak link defensively. Who do you put him on? You know, JJ Redick is a guy that can that can can run around screens and uh, and and get open that way. Harris, Butler, Simmons, and Embiid all can dominate on the block against smaller defenders. So in that way, it does make their starting lineup really difficult to defend. Uh, but but yeah, you know the you talk about a team that is building around two really young guys in Simmons and Embiid. And the, this Butler and this Harris move, uh, both of those are, are really like win now, compete now moves. And this is, again, a team that should be looking at competing for the next decade. And you, you look at the possible uh, floor for what could happen if, if uh, Butler and Harris both leave, you know, they're, they're in some real trouble here. Yeah, because, I mean, like, like we've said, they've sort of given away a lot of, you know, when, when Hinky was the GM, for example, and, and even afterwards, we always thought of the Sixers as having this sort of endless chest of assets. Um, it's gone now. Really, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is now gone. And, you know, if those two guys leave, um, you know, it's not a complete disaster in that you have still two foundational pieces to build around. Um, but your your ammo is, is certainly running low, and... If, if this doesn't, I, I, I just I just feel like uh, you know they're committing to to a guy that I don't think is a sure thing as as the third piece. I mean, last summer, for example, and these expectations were a little unrealistic to begin with, but we were we were envisioning sort of the Sixers as maybe being able to snag one of that George, Kawhi, LeBron trio. Obviously, it didn't it didn't happen. Um, but now it's 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 funny that they've sort of ended up with Butler and Harris, which isn't bad, but it's it's also a little less lofty than what we what we had expected, what we thought maybe this team could become. Right, and and the way Paul George is playing this season, man, would he look good on the on this Philadelphia team? Oh yeah, that, 
I mean, he's been he's been fantastic. But uh, looking at it from the Clippers' perspective, you know, it's we can't overlook the Landry Shamit being thrown into this deal as well. You know, he's shooting thirty eight percent or around there from three. He's uh, he's been pretty productive off the bench uh, this season. So that's another young piece that the Clippers now have, and uh, you know, getting getting multiple first round picks. And uh, again, they're going to make a similar play that uh, the the Knicks made, where they're going they've opened up cap space now, and uh, are gonna gonna go big name hunting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I love pretty much everything the Clippers have done. Uh, you know, the past few weeks, Shaman, uh, Redick Light, he's a nice acquisition for them. <laughs> yeah, Redick Light, I like uh, that. Two first rounders, two second rounders. Uh, for an expiring guy that was going to have a, a pretty good market, and you're probably going to have to overpay in the end. I mean, that's that's the other issue for me with Harris. You're probably going to have to. He's probably going to seem like an overpay a few years down the road. Um, but for the Clippers, you know, the the Kawhi noise seems to be pretty pretty real. Um, you know that if he's if he's going to go to LA, he's probably going to go to the Clippers. A lot of that will probably end up depending on. You know how far the Raptors make it in the playoffs. Uh, if they make the finals, how they do if they make the finals. You know, so we can't really speculate on that. But the Clippers are, at the very least, in, in pretty good position. They have some young, nice assets in Shea, Shemin, uh, and all these picks now. Uh, and I, I think it's been fantastic for them. Yeah, I mean, just think about, you know, this this trade is just another extension of the, the Blake Griffin deal that they made. You know, Harris was in that deal, and then they traded Harris for this huge package. Um, you know, so they've got Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Landry Shamit, multiple draft picks, and a clean, a clean cap sheet, all because of that uh, Blake Griffin deal. You know, it goes to show you that the organizations that uh, are, are aware of, and uh, recognize that uh, you know maybe this contract we signed this guy to isn't that great. We we'd be better off dumping him. Can end up uh, you know really prospering. Um, an- another move that the Clippers made, uh, they which I thought was another great deal for L.A. They gave up uh, Avery Bradley to the Grizzlies and acquired Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple. You know just from a pure asset play. I think uh, you know Temple at this point is even better than Avery Bradley, and Jamichael Green is a nice young big. Yeah, and, and I mean that 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 frees up some space for them this summer, I believe, um, uh, because I think I think Bradley extends into next year. Um, I think he had a partial guarantee, yeah, for a couple million, so they saved that. Yep. Yeah, and he was I think one of just the most destructive sort of players that was. You know, a real rotation piece uh, in the entire NBA this year. He, he's really fallen off from the uh, the sort of past standards we expected of him. And uh, you know, if if you can recoup some of the depth that you that you uh, you know that you gave away in that Harris deal, you know, they gave away Scott Marjanovic, um, and you gain back two guys that can actually play and save some money long term in the process. Why not? Yeah, I guess the. My response to the why not question is, you know, after the the Harris deal, I thought that was also a nice move for the Clippers because they owe a lottery-protected pick to the Boston Celtics this year for this upcoming draft. And I thought that Harris deal was a perfect way for them to, you know, not necessarily tank, but essentially say, okay, we're not going to do the playoffs this year, keep our pick. 
Uh, but but this move uh, afterwards, you know, acquiring two, you know, better players for one guy, uh, I think puts them right back in the conversation to to compete for the playoffs. But I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing for the Clippers. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, keeping that keeping that own pick um, is just another bullet in the chamber for a potential big trade this summer or something that we we don't know that might be in the works for them. But uh, yeah. I, I, uh, coming back from down 28 against Boston certainly doesn't help their uh, their chances of, <laughs> of keeping that big either. Right. But uh, you know, there's so much so much competition in the West for the playoffs that if they really want to, if it really comes down to it, I think they can finagle their way out without uh, without being too sort of fantastic uh, about it. Right, and it's probably better for the, for the fans as well that the team doesn't just completely make it obvious that they're trying to miss the playoffs and just miss kind of gracefully. But uh, but um, another move that uh, that the Seventy Sixers made on top of uh, you know the the deal for Harris, you know, of course they 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 sent out three rotation pieces for Harris and and they got Marjanovic and Scott in the deal as well. Uh, but but I question if Boban can even play in a in a playoff series. So they were able to get James Ennis from the Houston Rockets for a second-round pick to add to their wing depth. And then uh, they also uh, they, they gave up, finally, on Markel Fultz, the former number one overall pick. They got Jonathan Simmons in return, which, you know, he's a solid wing defender, although he's been shooting horribly from deep this season. Uh, but uh, they, 20, 27%, I believe. Yeah, uh, but but they got a couple of picks as well for uh, for giving Fultz away, including the 2020 uh, Oklahoma City top 20 protected first and also a second-round pick. Uh, so how do you feel the, the 76ers have done since that Harris deal to, to kind of try to refill their depth? Yeah, I, the subsequent moves after, after the Harris trade, I, I, I really like for the Sixers. I mean, getting anything for Fultz. It seems like a like a total coup at this point. Like right. He seemed like a guy that had no value whatsoever. They got Jonathan Simmons, a guy that we've seen perform in the playoffs before with the Spurs. I mean, he was playing high leverage minutes against the Rockets, against the Warriors, just two years ago. Yep. You know, so uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of that depends, I guess, on if he's if he's totally forgotten how to shoot or not, if he can play. But <laughs> um, but I I like that, and then. You know, getting two picks for for faults, I I don't think you can complain with that. I mean, you know, it's a sad story. Um, you know, it's sort of how we've seen him unravel. But uh, but I think uh, just in terms of of getting any value back, this is a win for them. Yes, I I agree with you about. I I didn't feel like Fultz had positive value at this point. You know, he's owed. I think around ten million again, and you know, if you're the top pick in the draft, your rookie salary is getting pretty high at this point. Yeah, uh, save some cash too. Yeah, so uh, so that's good for Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, to get not only a first, although it won't be a great first, but it's still a first, and a, and I think a pretty good second as well in the deal is is pretty good value. Uh, and and as far as Fultz uh, with Orlando, you know, if I'm the Magic at this point, you know, there there's that talk that he has that. I think it's called thoracic outlet syndrome or something to that effect. Uh, you know, there, there's talk that if that is actually the injury that he's suffering from, there is a surgery involved that it, that involves like taking away part of a, a rib. Uh, yeah, you know, I've heard it, that. I've heard that. if I'm Orlando, I just go all in and say, okay, like 
what if this really is the problem? <laughs> and if it is, let's just deal with it right now and, you know, give this kid as much of a chance as possible to get healthy and become the player that everyone thought he would be coming out of college. Yeah, I think for them it's a worthwhile gamble. You know, I mean, Orlando, another case of a team that's been sort of stuck just in the mud perpetually for the past, like, I mean, since they traded Dwight Howard, really, which is pretty crazy, they've sort of been just on that treadmill, running running in place, running in place. And at least now, I mean, Fultz hasn't shown all that much, but he's a guy that we know, you know, has that potential. And, you know, at least the, the hope, even if it's a 5% chance, a 6% chance, whatever, that, you know, he becomes something more, that he can become maybe even a fringe, you know, all-star kind of player, I think is a worthwhile, you know, endeavor for them. And the sort of ecosystem that they have, I think is totally, totally the right, you know, the right situation for it. No, no pressure in terms of we have to win now. How is this guy going to fit with our superstar players? Can we even play him? Um, you know, I think it's going to be a good atmosphere for him. Yeah, it, uh, it will be interesting to see again Orlando since they are kind of really far away from competing. Yeah, you're right. They they can just kind of bring him along slowly and don't they don't have to worry about fit like Philadelphia did uh, because they're in win-now mode despite, again, their, their best two players being in their early 20s. But, uh, but moving on now to... To another big, uh, another big deal. Uh, another team in the Eastern Conference making a move to uh, to to try and win the East title, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks, who acquired Nikola Mirotic in what ended up being, I believe, a three-team trade. Uh, whereas the Detroit Pistons got Thon Maker in the deal, and the New Orleans Pelicans re- uh, received Jason Smith, Stanley Johnson and four second-round picks. How do you uh, how do you feel uh, about that deal for the Bucks? I love this move for Milwaukee. Um, you know, especially coming on the heels of the Harris trade where I thought the Sixers kind of, you know, overpaid to get their guy. I saw this move and I was like, well, damn, this seems like a total steal for, <laughs> for Milwaukee who's getting, you know, a guy we've seen perform well in the playoffs, um, you know, as recently as last year. And yet, you know, he's been injured. He's been injured uh, in and out of the in and out of the lineup this year. But uh, Miritich is a guy that I think you can really just count on to play big minutes in the playoffs. Um, and he fits in with the sort of ethos of this team. You know, he's a guy that's just going to bomb threes. Uh, I love it. Yeah, and similar to Brooke Lopez, you know, he can he can shoot threes from about five feet behind the three-point line as well. You know, that just adds so much more spacing, uh, you know, in the mold of Orion Anderson and Eric Gordon and what they did with the Rockets last season. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the other thing that I think is big about this deal is the idea that, you know, there, there are a lot of concerns about Lopez in terms of his ability to stay on the floor against the best of the best teams. But now I think Milwaukee has enough at the four spot with the likes of Miritich and uh, and Ilyasova that they can now go to Giannis at the five for heavy minutes at times. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's a great it's a great depth move for them. You know, Maker was a guy that um, had sort of captured our imagination at moments, <laughs> especially in the playoffs. I believe two years ago at this point, 
against Toronto, but you know he was never really able to crack the rotation and really able to put it together. Um, and now this move gives them you know a solid guy, and like you said, some insurance on you know Lopez, who uh, has been really awesome. I think in ways that almost nobody expected this year, even defensively. You know, just being able to slide into that center spot and just play at the rim. And now, if he gets sort of picked apart in the pick and roll by teams in the playoffs, you can just slide in Giannis, throw in Miritich, and then sort of, you know, go from there. It's, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a great move for them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be really exciting. You know, again, Milwaukee with the best record in the in the NBA and continuing to upgrade. They've been really, really impressive. You know, a team in the Western Conference that's still trying to compete uh, at the highest levels, the Houston Rockets, they made a salary dump move, but in the process maybe got a little bit better. Um, you know, they uh, they were involved in a three-team deal in which the Houston acquired Iman Shumpert, Nick Stauskas, and Wade Baldwin, which they later, I believe, waived Stauskas and Baldwin. And then uh, the, the Sacramento Kings acquired Alec Burks, and the Cleveland Cavaliers took on the uh, the salaries of Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris, and uh, in doing so, acquired Houston's 2019 first round draft pick. How do you feel about that uh, that salary dump move from uh, from Daryl Morey and the Rockets? Yeah, I mean, it's totally understandable, right? This is it makes it makes a lot of sense. Knight, you know, he wasn't contributing much of anything to them. Um, you know, and to, and to get a guy like Shumpert, who you know had kind of fallen off of our radars, I think, for the past few years, he, uh, you know, my, my really my last memories of him were were just barely playing in the playoffs for Cleveland. Uh, yeah. in the past few years, and now he's sort of back and better than ever. It's uh, it's kind of funny to have him back in our lives, but you know, Houston just needs needs bodies. <laughs> yeah, need some bodies to put around there to put around their uh, their main guys. And um, Shumpert, a guy with legit playoff experience, has played against the Warriors. Um, I don't know how much value he's actually going to be able to have um, if they sort of meet up in the playoffs again this time around. But uh, it's better than having sort of, you know, the dead salary at night, um, who's not really going to be able to contribute to a playoff run in any way. Yeah, you know, Shumpert is just one of those players that his value is uh, is linked to his three-point shooting, and this has been one of his better years shooting the basketball. I think he's around 36% for the season. Uh, so, you know, when he's shooting the ball well, he's always been a, a pretty decent defensive player. My biggest issue, though, is, you know, that we, we mentioned that deal in which Philadelphia acquired James Ennis for a second-round pick, and that was another salary dump move by by the Houston Rockets. Uh, you know, you're, you know, maybe Shumpert, Shumpert is probably a little bit better than James Ennis, but in terms of the positional importance, I think Ennis provides more value. And, you know, after the fact that the Rockets lost uh, Trevor Ariza and Luke Richard and Bob Mute in the offseason, they still need that wing defender that can guard guys like Durant come playoff time. And I just don't think Shumpert is the answer for that. No, I mean, you're, you're right there. Um, at the same time, I, I don't, I don't think Ennis was either. Right? I mean, uh, he's uh, 
I, I, I was really excited when the Rockets acquired him uh, over the summer and he kind of was just okay um, and probably a little underqualified to be thrown into the sort of role guarding Durant and those type of and those type of players. Um, but yeah, that hole is still there and uh, I don't really know if they're going to be able to address it adequately. I mean, no reason. Tucker can only, you know, he's he can only be thrown on those guys so much. I think. Um, so so we'll see. But uh, I think uh, they've at least, you know, it, it was at least been good that they've righted the ship. <laughs> uh, obviously, most of that on the on the back of Harden. Right. Um, but I'm curious. I'm curious to see how they how they sort of coalesce in the playoffs and it's just been a, such, a, such a weird season for them you know with, with Paul out most of the year Capella out for a while they just haven't really gotten the chance to gel and, and it's been kind of ugly for them at times this year yeah and I think you know at the start of the season when uh, when you looked at the the Rockets roster obviously that hole at the at the small forward position was evident and, and Daryl Morey said well you know don't look at our roster now. Wait till you know the end of the season, and we're getting to the point where there's there's not a lot of time. You know, the buyout time is is coming now. But you know, Trevor Ariza was a possible candidate to to be bought out by the Phoenix Suns when he was with Phoenix, uh, and you know that would be a perfect fit for just to bring him back to Houston then, and then problem the problem would be solved. But it looks like Ariza's going to uh, you know is happy in Washington and is talking about re-signing. So uh, I haven't heard really any rumors in terms of guys that, that might be available that they can fill that role. And if there aren't going to be any of those, they, they simply just aren't going to have enough to uh, to take on the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, Daryl was telling us to evaluate the team sort of uh, around this time of year, you know, March, right when the buyouts occur. But there's no, there's no clear candidate on, on that market anymore. Um, so, so we'll see. Uh, I don't, you know, it's 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 unfortunate because their team was so close last year, and and this year it doesn't it doesn't. I don't really buy that they're going to be able to reach those heights again. And with Golden State sort of coalescing uh, and and looking like the juggernaut we thought that they might be, sort of again, uh, the gap seems substantial. Yeah, and it's, it's funny to see the, you know, LeBron is a genius in terms of, you know, if he saw all this coming ahead of time, he's a genius because he left the East at the perfect time. You know, I, I saw a tweet that was essentially suggesting that the top four teams in the Eastern Conference right now are better than any team LeBron ever beat on his way to eight straight finals. And, uh, you know, um, the the East, all of these top teams at the top are, are buying at the Dre deadline and improving. And a lot of the teams, you know, in the West are kind of looking at the Warriors and saying, I don't think we can do it, so why bother, uh, you know, giving away future assets to improve? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a funny comment, actually, interesting. Um, it kind of seems like it's true, though, uh, about how, how much better the top of the East is now than it was sort of back in the day, it, with the exception of, like, the 2011 season, where there were the Bulls, the Celtics, the Heat, and the Magic sort of all competing. I think that was the last time the top of the East was sort of this good. Right, yeah, it's, um, 
it's certainly going to be the, the, the Eastern Conference semifinals are going to be absolutely fantastic. I can't wait. And uh, another reason for that is a trade we still haven't gotten to yet. Uh, the final big blockbuster move of the trade deadline was the Toronto Raptors acquiring the likes of Mark Gasol, and uh, they ended up giving the, uh, the Grizzlies C.J. Miles, DeLon Wright, Jonas Valanciunas, and a 2024 second-round pick. How do you feel about that deal for, uh, for the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, at first I was a little bit lukewarm on this. Um, you know, kind of just, just because Gasol has sort of fallen off the past, you know, year or two. Not exactly the same player on defense. He's extended his range out to, to the three-point line, which is uh, a big bonus. Um, and I was just like, ah, I don't know. You know. He's got a player option next, uh, you know, after this year, too. So maybe it's a lot of salary to take on. But uh, I think he's going to be useful for them, uh, especially with sort of, you know, CJ, they didn't really give him all that much to get him. CJ Miles uh, had been a pretty big disappointment. Um, Valanchunas, a nice player, but Gasol, I think, is, you know, a more versatile fit for them. And, you know, especially on offense, um, you know, a guy that has, you know, legit, more legit range, I think, than Valanchunas. And then Wright, you know, I liked I liked Wright as a piece, but if he's what you're going to give up to get, you know, Marcus Hall, a guy with a much more, a much better track record, even though he's, you know, kind of old now. Um, and also Wright, I believe, you know, entering restricted free agency, so going to have to get paid. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of liked it more after thinking about it a little bit. Uh, Gasol gives them a guy, especially if they match up with the Sixers, because they're going to need that sort of Gasol guy to just throw at Embiid, who's been just rampaging everyone lately. Yeah, and, and Gasol is a terrific post defender, so he will be a great matchup for, for that. But you, you mentioned the, the, I believe it's around $25 million player option for Gasol. But when you factor in, Valanchunas had his own, I think, $17 million play, player option for next year. Plus, C.J. Miles, I believe, had a player option for around $8 million. So, you know, just those two combined is going to be around the same price that they're going to pay Gasol if he opts in. And, you know, you factor in uh, DeLon Wright's uh, restricted free agency, and they would have had to have paid him as well or, or just lost him for nothing. Uh, they, they probably are actually saving a little bit of money for for next season. And... I think another big thing about this deal was the idea that a lot of people I, I heard were, were concerned that, oh, well, Gasol's going to start now, and, and that makes the Raptors worse. They're at their best with Ibaka and Siakam at the 4-5. and five. And through, uh, through their first game against, uh, Gasol's first game against New York, he seemed to be very happy coming off the bench. And in, in that way, he just becomes essentially an upgrade on Valanchunas' role for this team. And he's a better passer, a more willing three-point shooter, and a, a much better positional defender than, uh, than Valanchunas. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, wasn't so, I wasn't so worried about how, the, how they would sort of figure out the lineups. I mean, you know, like, like we said, uh, that Ibaka-Siakam combo has really been awesome this year. But... I don't think having a guy like Gasol hurts you, you know? 
in specific matchups, you could have him closing. Um, but I don't think that you necessarily have to feel the pressure to do that all the time. Uh, so that that was definitely less of a concern for me than maybe for other people. Um, yeah, the cash aspect is, you know, it's 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 just about the same. Right? I think they add on a little bit more money um, this year and a little bit more next year. But again, if they were going to keep right, it would have been a lot more anyway. Right. Uh, if they if they wanted to bring him back, so you know, it's uh, we'll see how it works out. Like you said, we we only have a one game sample so far to look at, but. Uh, it's been definitely cool to see all the teams at the top of the East, really, I mean, with the exception of the Celtics, actually, which, if, if you want, we can discuss, but uh, really going for it um, and feeling like they, they have a chance to, you know, to make it to the finals and, and maybe really give the Warriors, assuming that that's their opponent, uh, a, a, a damn good shot. Yeah, it, uh, you know... The, the biggest concern in terms of, you know, again, the, the Raptors trading three players for one in this deal is, you know, the depth concerns. And, and certainly at the point guard position now, you lose right, and you're essentially down to Lowry and Van Fleet. And if either of one of them get hurt, they're, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. But uh, one of the things that I think has quietly helped, and, and I think their depth will be fine as long as they're relatively healthy, is that, uh, you know, after a horrible season last year, Norman Powell is starting to show signs again that we saw from a couple of seasons ago and, and why he got that uh, four-year, $42 million contract. Uh, he, he's started to knock down the three ball and, and uh, play pretty well off the bench. Yeah, and, and that's sort of why I, I didn't mind the, the sort of three-for-one aspect because Toronto's a team that had so much depth. It might have even had too much. You know, now that they can... You know, they can sort of regularize the rotation a little more. Um, give some dudes a little more time than they might have had before. And, yeah, I mean, last year, that power contract looked like a total disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it seems like, okay, things aren't so bad anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how that stuff works with young players. You know, we're seeing it with, uh, with the guys like Jalen Brown even where he'll – he, he went through the start of the year, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, what happened to this guy? And now he's starting to, to play like we kind of thought he would. So uh, you, it, it's I feel like we're all a little bit too quick to, to make judgments on these guys, and, and they can easily turn it around and, and just need some time. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it. The Raptors, for, for years now, we've been talking about when they you know the won the 59 games, they had the bench mob, and everyone was talking about it as the deepest team in the league. The, the way to improve your team, especially for the playoffs, if you're deep, is to use that depth to upgrade one of your top like six or seven guys, and, and I think they certainly did so here. Um, but, uh, but talking about some of the, uh, the buyout news, uh, we'll, we'll just talk about this briefly. Wesley Matthews was bought out by, uh, by the Knicks, and then the Pacers were able to pick him up, which is a nice pickup after losing Oladipo. Shelvin Mack was signed by the Hornets, so he gives them a little bit more point guard depth. Wayne Ellington being signed by Detroit, you know, after the Pistons sent out uh, Reggie Bullock in that trade with the Lakers. I think they needed some help at that position, and Wayne Ellington should provide that. And uh, another guy that's available now, uh, you know, Markeith Morris was traded to the Pelicans, and then they they uh, dropped him. So he's a guy that I think could potentially help a team. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
you know, it's kind of been a strange, a strange year for Morris. I mean, just just a few years back, he was sort of a pivotal, a pivotal piece for the for the Wizards, and you know, when they almost took down the Celtics in that awesome round two series, and you know, now it's he sort of got traded for nothing and is a buyout guy. It's it's uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, are there any specific teams that he's been linked to? Um, I haven't I haven't heard that yet, but uh, you know I, I certainly don't think he's he's starting caliber at this stage. But as a guy off the bench, a team that needs maybe a fourth big, I, I think you could do a lot worse than Markeith Morris. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah, at least at least a guy with some you know with some playoff experience who's been there. Now, uh, you you briefly mentioned the Boston Celtics, and of course they were the one team out of the top four teams in the East, and sorry to the Indiana Pacers, but I'm not putting them in this category. But uh, the yeah, top four, yeah, the top four being uh, Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. Uh, Boston was really the only team that, that didn't make a move to upgrade their roster. Do you feel like uh, that it's just a situation where Boston is is uh, is so loaded that it, it's kind of hard to upgrade at this point? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Obviously, they're, they're saving their, you know, their best assets for the potential Anthony Davis trade in the summer, but it's just been a really weird year for that team. I mean, you just get constantly these weird vibes these, and then these weird statements from, like, Kyrie. It just seems like an unhappy team, I think, in general, and um, you know, maybe maybe a big trade isn't necessarily the way to uh, to, to go about fixing that. But uh, you know, uh, I'm definitely a little concerned about whether they're going to be able to keep Kyrie in the summer, and and sort of the the feedback that follows from that is, well, maybe they're not going to be able to trade for Anthony Davis, or maybe it doesn't make sense to trade for Anthony Davis. Rather, um, you know, if if Kyrie isn't there, um, so I mean. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm torn about them. They, uh, the numbers sort of show that they've been that they've been pretty damn good, but they've underperformed their point differential. They've lost a lot of these really weird, a lot of these really weird games where they've been up and then sort of completely collapsed. Um, I, I don't know. I can't really get a good feel for them. I don't think anyone can. Yeah, it's uh, it, it certainly has been been very confusing. And you you mentioned uh, I've he- I've heard not only you say this but uh, quite a few people mention that comment that if Kyrie leaves then they probably wouldn't trade for Davis and I kind of want to uh, question that a little bit because you know if if Kyrie leaves is Boston just going to go into a complete rebuild I mean in in my mind I would like to see them still try and go after Davis and. I think they have the the pieces to be the the team with the best offer without even throwing in the likes of Jason Tatum, and you know we saw with the with Paul George and his uh, his horrible leg injury that it took him you know over a year to kind of get back to full form. You know the Celtics could rebuild and and be a championship caliber team with a with a Davis Tatum and Hayward core if. You know, if Tatum continues to develop into the star they expect, and and Hayward gets back to the player that he was. Yeah, I think a lot of that just depends on what Davis himself wants, right? I mean, yeah, maybe we, maybe that's the get, thing is that the the Celtics are worried. You know, if if Kyrie leaves, then they trade for Davis, then then Davis is going to leave. You know, and Kyrie is the chip that, 
convinces Davis to stay. That yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know, if 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 Kyrie is gone and you're getting those vibes that if you're getting those reports that Davis just isn't going to resign, um, you know, it's I think it's too big of a risk to to, to even give say Brown some of the future picks uh, and whatever salary filler you need to to make it work. That's that's probably too much at that point. But yeah, the um, I still really like the Celtics, despite how confusing their team has been. They've they've consistently been a really good defensive team, and and with Kyrie out there on the floor, their offense has still been really solid. They're gonna get the you know I, I feel like Hayward has slowly gotten a little bit better month after month. You know he's still nowhere near the player he was in Utah, but uh, I think he he is showing a little bit more consistency than he did at the beginning of the season. Uh, but and you know Jalen Brown, as I mentioned, is is playing better. So so I still like the the Celtics' chances, and I still think they're one of the one of the teams to beat in the East. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. It's just uh, you know one of the, the the real I think unfortunate thing for them is just the sort of you know the the Hayward injury and and, and how difficult it's been for him to you know to get back to to the Gordon Hayward that we're used to. It, it's really, I think that's sort of the elephant of the room for them in the sense that he's not the same guy and, uh, you know, he's on the books for a, a really big, you know, a really big deal. Uh, and that's, that could really hinder them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And like I said, though, with Paul George and, and some of those leg injuries, it, it, it can sometimes take a little bit longer than you would, you would expect. So, um, you know, if, if if Gordon Hayward at the beginning of next season still does not look good, then I would definitely be concerned if I'm the Celtics. But, uh, you know, we're, we're still talking about it's been, you know, it's been less than basically a year and a half since the injury. So, uh, but but yeah, it'll it'll be fascinating to see, you know, this summer and, and what the Celtics are able to do. Uh, and, and, you know, certainly Kyrie going back on his uh, commitment to Boston is is adding a lot of extra drama to uh, to this off season, but uh, to the uh, Celtics front office, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but uh, so that's it for the uh, the trade deadline and buyout talk. I thought we would also, uh, on top of that, do the All Star draft. Of course, the 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 real All Star draft happened last Thursday, uh, and uh, it was Team LeBron versus Team Giannis, and the two of them drafted their uh, their respective teams, going back and forth. With uh, with the different picks, and uh, I don't know about you, but I thought LeBron absolutely uh, dominated that draft. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I saw the I, I only watched the uh, the actual starters being drafted, and then I saw the final rosters, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I think he ended up with a, a substantially better team. Well, and after they finished, LeBron suggested a trade. He wanted Ben Simmons, and and he traded Russell Westbrook for Ben Simmons, but Giannis took Ben Simmons with Russell Westbrook still on the board <laughs> and he accepted the trade it might have been just LeBron realized that on on live national TV that if he just offered a trade Giannis would accept it no matter what but if I'm Giannis I say if you want Ben Simmons that bad give me Clay Thompson is this uh so is this finally GM LeBron coming into his own is that what you're telling me yes yes it is <laughs> <laughs> but uh 
We we talked about this briefly beforehand, but uh, you're going to take the role of Giannis, and and hopefully you yep, can yep. do a little bit better than the real Giannis did. Uh, I'll give it a try. <laughs> and uh, I will be I will be LeBron. Uh, so we start by drafting the eight remaining starters, yep. and uh, LeBron got the first pick, so I will select first, and then after the starters, we go through the uh, the fourteen reserves, and you will get the first pick out of the reserve selection. So as LeBron, I am going to do exactly what LeBron did and draft Kevin Durant. Damn, man. Putting the pressure on me. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to go... I'm going to go... Um, I, this, is, this, this, is too, this is too uncreative. But uh, I'm going to go with Steph, the best, the best guy on the board, I think. Yep, and that's exactly what Giannis did. So uh, so far we're to we're to form. Uh, so uh, with with my next pick, I am going to take Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I see. I see that we are we are following according to plan here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe LeBron went with Irving with his second pick, but uh, but yeah, nonetheless, it's uh, it's up to you now. All right, give me. I, I've, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm going to counter with I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the big man I'm going to take Embiid Okay, and then I'm going to basically take every wing that's available I'm going to go Paul George Go for it, go for it. <laughs> you, you, got that, you got that versatility Yes uh, I'm going to take James Harden then Okay I'm going to have a, a very wacky roster here Yes, okay, so just to uh, to clarify who's left now, I believe it's just Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker, so I'm going to go with Kyrie Irving. Oh, man. I'll take Kemba, of course. All right, and then you get the first pick amongst the reserves, and I'll just mention the reserves real fast. Uh, there are Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, Chris Middleton, Blake Griffin, Bradley Beal, D'Angelo Russell, Russell Westbrook, Nikola Vucevic, Nikola Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, LaMarcus Aldridge, Ben Simmons, and Anthony Davis. I'm going to go ahead and take uh, the now polarizing Anthony Davis. <laughs> All right. That is, uh, that is a good selection. Giannis went with his teammate just because I feel like that's the pressure of you've got to draft your own teammate to, to not seem like a, a mean person. <laughs> but uh but yeah davis is certainly davis is certainly a good selection so uh i'm going to continue uh just taking nothing but wings and go with clay thompson oh man that was i was i was hoping that i could snag clay uh, but no more no more uh i'll take beal then okay bradley beal okay yeah getting one of the one of the last kind of 3 and D guys that don't don't need the ball in their hands those are super valuable. Okay, so I probably need a big man at this point, but I <laughs> but there are plenty of options, so I think I'm still oh, just go- options, yeah. I I think I'm still going to just hold on on that and draft Damian Lillard. Okay. Okay. Big game Dame out here. Uh I am going to go with I'm gonna go with Chris Middleton. Yeah, getting uh, getting another getting another three point guy. That's uh, that's a good pickup. 
after taking no wings uh, initially. <laughs> right. Yep, that was that was my strategy. Is if you were going to take off, I was going to steal all of them, literally every one. So I'll just, again, mention the guys that are left. So there's Lowry, Griffin, D'Angelo Russell, Russell Westbrook, uh, Vucevic, Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Ben Simmons. So... You know, I feel like I have enough shooting at this point, so I'm going to go with Ben Simmons. Oh, man. Jeez, you, you really are ruthless with the, uh, with the 6 8 6 9 6 10 guys, huh? Yes, I mean, I'm going to be doing nothing but switching the entire game. Good luck with your uh, Steph Curry trying to, to score over all of my 6 9 guys. Okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Uh, you know what? We want, we want just a good old-fashioned bulldog player out here kyle lowry let's do it we need that that underdog mentality on this team okay i like it yeah he might be even um depending on how much you like him but he might even be uh ahead of him in the in your final lineup although you have anthony davis who probably will go into your final five your closing five yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh let's see so yeah, I probably should just uh, take a big man at this point um, because that's mostly what's left. Uh, so I'm going to go with, you know, I, I do have to deal with Joel Embiid. So I probably need a guy that that, that has size, but I also want to maintain my switching strategy. So I'm going to go Carl Anthony Towns. Mm, interesting. Interesting right there. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Jokic is the better player. I just, uh, you know, he uh, he doesn't fit the the switching system, so I couldn't have him. But yeah, that's a that's a solid pickup. Just in terms of pure value, I think that was a that was a steal. So we've got Blake Griffin, D'Angelo Russell, Russell Westbrook, Nikola Vucevic, and Lamarcus Aldridge. I'm gonna go with Blake Griffin. That's a nice pickup right there, Blake. You know, it's. <laughs> Loki, one of my favorite stories of the year is just Blake Griffin being like really good again. <laughs> yeah, and and again, my I think another thing that I'm I'm doing is all of my big guys also can shoot the basketball as well with with Towns and Griffin, and I'm going to play LeBron at the four as well, and and maybe some Kawhi at the four. So so I've got shooting all over the place. Yeah, you definitely have a uh, you know a much I think clearer vision of, of what your team can be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my talent uh, has been a little more haphazardly assembled, but I think we, uh, I think we still, still got a chance to win here. I mean, you do have Curry and Harden both on your team, the two best backcourt scorers in the NBA. So yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to inject, you know, just some, uh, you know, some fire into the team. We're going to take Russell Westbrook. Okay, I'm really glad you uh, you took him because he was. Aside from D'Angelo Russell, he was my least favorite person to select just because he's a high-usage guy that uh, that doesn't play well off the ball, and I have guys that are better at that. So, uh, But, yeah, he certainly is um, you know, a guy that uh, will, will inject some energy into your lineup. So this is uh, going to be my last selection, actually, because then you, you will take the second-to-last guy, and I'll be stuck with the final one. So I already I already mentioned that uh, I already spoiled that I'm definitely not selecting D'Angelo Russell. So so the option is Nikola Vucevic or LaMarcus Aldridge, 
And again, you know, you mentioned I've got this vision of a, a team that can switch, so Aldridge is probably the best at that, whereas Vucevic, despite, you know, being a really awesome offensive player, just can't. So I'm taking Aldridge. All right. Uh, well, in that case, uh, I will take good old Vooch. Okay. So you get Nikola Vucevic, and then I am stuck with the likes of D'Angelo Russell, who is not even the best point guard on his own team. That was that was a lot of fun. I'll just uh, I'll, I'll mention my roster here real quick. So obviously I am LeBron James, and uh, on my starting lineup I have uh, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Kyrie Irving. And off the bench I have Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, and D'Angelo Russell. And uh, for you, as uh, as Yadis Antetokounmpo, did you did you happen to hear uh, Shaquille O'Neal trying to pronounce his last name on the show? Oh God, no! But I'm sure it was an atrocity. <laughs> yes, it was. They they even gave him multiple shots at it, and it was uh, it was it got worse each attempt. Uh, but uh, but Giannis for for uh, for Jerry's team as Giannis, he he drafted Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Kemba Walker. And off the bench, he's got Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal, Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry, Nikola Jokic, Russell Westbrook, and Nikola Vucevic. So uh, we we do have one final round, which uh, involves the two uh, guys that two were legends. yeah the two legends that were just uh, late additions, Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade. And LeBron got the first pick on this, and uh, you know I think the obvious answer has got to be Dwayne Wade. You know, Dirk definitely can't switch. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. Uh, You know, despite the fact that Dirk Nowitzki, even when he's like 60 years old, will still be good offensively. uh, He, uh, he certainly is not, uh, does not fit my team. And as LeBron James, Dwayne Wade is my best friend. So I'm going with him and sticking you with Dirk. All right. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take Dirk. You know, we want that, that, yeah, and that's that's kind of how it went down as well. Uh, Giannis went with uh, went with some of those world players, uh, but yeah, how do you uh, how do you feel about your team now that it's all said and done? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I like it a little better than, uh, when I was actually drafting it. <laughs> you know, I think there are some things we can do to deal with your sort of six, uh, you know, six eight to, uh, six eleven uh, death squad over here. We've got some big men we can really, I think, really make them hurt, and then, uh, you know, we're just gonna be, uh, relying on, uh, a lot of hard and isolation, I think, uh, Steph stretching the floor, so we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, yeah. If the uh, if the Warriors could give uh, could give Harden troubles with their switching lineup, I think with my switching lineup of Durant, Kawhi, LeBron, and Paul George, I think I could give him some issues as well. But uh, yeah. but but yeah, that was uh, that was a blast. And Jerry, uh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and and uh, doing this with me. Yeah, Garrett. I mean, it was great talking to you. It had been uh, it had been a while. It was you know great catching up. Great talking hoops and. Uh, you know, whenever, whenever you want, I'll be, I'll be down to do it again. Would be, would be my honor. Well, thanks. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to have you back on when we're getting close to playoff time. I, I hope to do some form of like uh, some, some playoff matchup type things, and maybe even get 
uh, some three-person pods going. So uh, you'll definitely uh, you'll definitely be on the speed dial for that. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to this episode of Duncan Dynasty. If you'd like to support the show, you can follow me and the program on Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a rating and review. You can email me at g-bugay, B-U-G-A-Y, at onu.edu. You can uh, give me any questions, comments, concerns, compliments. Be happy to to hear from you, and uh, hopefully I can get back to you as well. You can get a hold of me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Garrett Bougay. Garrett is spelled with uh, two R's and two T's. You can also uh, catch me on Twitter at Garrett Bougay. I plan on airing episodes just about every Wednesday with occasional breaks throughout the uh, the entirety of the 2018-19 season, including the off season, and uh, if you're if you're starving for more content, I urge you to check out any of my guests' previous material. Uh, a lot of the guys I have on have their own podcasts as well and do a lot of interesting stuff. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.